fight is for our focus. So good. I mean, you know, I've thought the fight was a lot of different things. <laughs> fight is for my focus, man. Fight is for our focus. And uh, I've fought a lot of different things. And I know y'all are nervous because we got the whiteboard out. And who knows what that means? Because you know I can't spell and draw. So, so who knows what's going to happen on that thing? We'll see. We'll just be led by the Holy Ghost. Y'all good? Oh, I'm just so ready to have fun this morning. The fight is for our focus. If you have your Bible, uh, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. We'll read a couple of scriptures, Hebrews and Galatians, and then we'll get going in the message. Hebrews 12, uh, verse 1 and 2. Familiar passage of scripture, and it's so good. It's all about our focus. It says, "Wherefore, we, wherefore seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with per- patience or perseverance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, I love it. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus. In the midst of all the insanity. In the midst of sin. In the midst of a crazy world. In the midst of a rel- the relentless attack of the enemy. Let me tell you something. I, I don't know what the deal. How many of y'all, I, I feel like the older I get, the, the more the enemy is just, it is like relentless. It is incessant. It is nonstop berating of the mind. Is anybody else in here? Maybe y'all are on Christian vacation. I don't know where you're at. But I tell you what, it is something else. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, and then it talks about Jesus' focus. We're supposed to focus on Jesus. And then it gives, it, it, it illustrates the focus that Jesus had when he was here. Who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and set, is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So powerful. The fight is for our focus. It's for our focus. Galatians 3.1, the Galatians had lost focus. It says, you crazy Galatians. Don't you love the Bible? This is a message version. Love the, I love it. That's so good. I don't know, maybe, maybe we'd stand up and say, you crazy remnanteers. <laughs> I'm not going to that church. Okay. You crazy Okay, you crazy Galatians. Sorry, I'm getting too excited about that. Did someone put a hex on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? This is the way my wife talks to me, like once a day, at least. <laughs> have, have you lost your mind? I'm okay. Vince never, that never happened to Vince. Did someone put a hex on you? Have you lost, have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened, for it is obvious you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. And I tell you what, I believe in our world today, more than anything, we need the crucified Jesus to be in clear focus in our lives. We need, we need the Jesus who came to this earth from heaven, was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, 
perfect in every single way, was the actual spotless lamb of God. Completely and totally surrendered himself to the beatings and the abuse that every single one of us deserved. He took it. He bore it on his back. He died the most gruesome death that a man could die. Was buried in a tomb laid there for three days and by the power of the living God was raised from that grave. He walked this earth and then he ascended into heaven at the right hand of the father. We need that Jesus in clear focus in our lives. How you know there's stuff, there's stuff battling for our attention all the time. Something always trying to get our attention. Something always trying to say, hey, come over here. Let me talk to you. Come over here. Let me talk to you. Rachel and I were watching this show. It's called Shooter. Y'all, y'all seen this show? I'm not advocating this show. It's probably not something pastors should talk about from the pulpit, but he's going to anyways. And it's called Shooter. And it's about this dude. He's a Marine and he's a sniper. He's the baddest. Sni- I, I like stuff like this. Rachel always wants to watch like romantic comedies and stuff. And I'm like, I just, I want to watch a sniper show. Okay. <laughs> Give me a sniper show. And so, she looks at her phone and I watch. And so, so this dude, he's this awesome sniper and there's this scene in the movie. It's so powerful. I saw it and I was like, that's what I want. And, and, and he, he's in somewhere over in the Middle East and they're fighting this you know, war and, and, and he's laying on this table with his really cool sniper gun. Y'all with me? Chaney, he's a bad dude. You, you don't mess with this man. He can pick you off at 1,500 yards in the eyeball like it's nothing. And so there's this bad sniper dude. He's sitting there. And the enemy, the enemy people, they're, they're, now this guy's got a bounty on his head because he's so good, right? And he keeps messing up the enemy's plans. And, and so the enemy comes and he's got a spotter. He's got somebody that stays with him to cover his back and to tell him how the wind's blowing and all this stuff. Sam knows what I'm talking about. And, and so, uh, is it Sergeant, Sar- Sergeant Speedy? No? Colonel Speedy. Colonel what? Colonel Sam Speedy. Colonel Sam Speedy in the house, y'all. All right. I read the, I told him congratulations last week. All right, I read the post, forgot what it was. All right, so this dude, he's laying on this table with his sniper gun, and the enemy, like 10, 10 bad guys are coming, and they're coming up these stairs, and they're shooting at him and bullets are and, and, and his spotter has got his back and he's shooting as many of them as he can and his spotter's got his back and he lays there in the midst of literally bullets flying over his head and he's completely calm and at 600 yards he, he, he has to see out of this window he sees a bazooka gun come out of this window at 600 yards and all he can see is the tip and he sees his good guys coming on the ground, and he knows that that bad guy is fixing to shoot his good guys with the bazooka gun. I don't know what they're called. Colonel Speedy, I'm so sorry that I've got all this wrong. <laughs> I, I, I watch military shows, but I'm, just, I'm not a military dude, but I appreciate all, all of y'all. And so, so he's got his bazooka gun. What do you call that? Give me. RPG. He, RPG? He's, the dude's got his RPG. Hanging out the window. And that's all the, that's all the sniper can see. 
And remember, the people are coming. The enemy's getting closer over his head. And, and to shoot 600 yards, he had a spot the size of a quarter, the very tip of the RPG. That's what he had to hit. And I know it's a show, but it's still cool. And, and that's all he has to hit. And, and he, in order to shoot that precisely at that distance, you have to stay so calm and be so focused on what you're doing. And in the midst of the insanity, he pulls the trigger, hits the RPG, explodes, kills the bad guy, and then is able to turn and help his buddy fight off the bad guys. But I just love the scene of the insanity. But in the midst of the insanity, he had to stay 100% focused on his job. He had to. Because look, if he didn't, it was going to cost him his life and it was going to cost him his buddy's lives that were down there that he was protecting. 100% focus. He could not lose focus for one second or else it would have cost the whole mission. I think that'll preach. We can't lose focus. Because there's a mission. It's not our mission. It's his mission. It's God's mission. We've got to stay focused. The fight is not what we thought it was. The fight, this is what God spoke to me. The fight is for my focus. There's always going to be something trying to muddy the waters. Always going to be something trying to distract us. I love 1 Samuel 17. It's the story of David and Goliath. And uh, I'd encourage you, go home today, read 1 Samuel 17. Such a cool story. Last time I preached, I preached about David. I like David. I think David's a decent guy in the Bible. I think a decent guy to preach about. The Bible says a little bit about him. We should, oh, it's good, good stories. David and Goliath. In this story, 1 Samuel 17, David never loses focus. He walks onto the battlefield, looks at his brothers, and he says, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Isn't there something that we're fighting for? Isn't there something that we're focused on? Is, what, 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 are we, what are we even doing out here? Just dressing up in uniforms? Just being insulted by the enemy? What, 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 is there not a cause? What, come on, guys. I've got a focus. I've got a vision. What, what are we doing? What are we doing? We're, we're, we're just a little bit distracted here. And David, such a powerful story. He, he, uh, he never loses focus in this story. I'm not saying David never lost focus in his life. He didn't in, he didn't in 1 Samuel 17. How many know there's other things that can cause you to lose your focus? David lost his focus a couple of times, you know. Love has a funny thing that it does to you, doesn't it? Okay, that's not the story I'm preaching. But see what happens is, I'm, I'm going to draw. Can I draw? Now, I just I want to tell you, I'm just let the Lord draw. I don't want to blame this on God. I'm sorry, George. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't, I can't put this on God. So, so, so what we got here, we got, day, we got a battle, Right? And, and the Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, you've got, you've got the, the we're going to call the, these guys the Israelites, right? Here they are. Do y'all like these guys? You've got the Israelites. And then it says there was a big valley right here. And it says the Israelites were camped on one hill. And the Philistines, here, here's the Philistines. Look, my, my marker's no good. That's all right, I got to back up. The Philistines are on this hill. Look at these guys. Look, they're everywhere. Thousands of them. Y'all like the Philistines? Oh, they're going to get saved one way or the other. 
Something's fixing to happen to him. All right, so we got Philistines, and and we've got the Phil. Can y'all see this? Is so we got we got Israelites. They're, they're everywhere. There are thousands of them. Israelites, a big valley, and you got the Philistines, right? And then you got David. Now, because he's a main character. We'll actually give him, uh, you got David. Got David. Okay, I'm, that's supposed to be his nose. So we're, he's not going to have a nose, okay, because that looks weird. So that's David. That's David. I wanted to, he got big eyes because David's focused, right? And then you've, you've got the Israelites, the Philistines, a big valley in between. And then you've got Saul, Saul, and he's wearing a crown because he's the king. Isn't he cute? So you've got Saul. There's Saul. And then another main character. You've got Goliath. Goliath. And Goliath is, he's mean, so he's not smiling. That's Goliath. And he's strong, got muscles. We're just going to give him one muscle. Okay, yeah, he's like Popeye, because that looks weird too. Okay, so Goliath has muscles. They all have fingers and toes. They all have all the things that they need. So we just didn't draw them. So we've got David in the Israelites with King Saul at the helm. He's leading. And you've got the Philistines, and they're, they're, they're going to go to war. They're each sitting on separate hills. And... They're going to fight, but Goliath, they have this idea. They send Goliath out, and he says, look, why don't we not fight? Why don't you just send your best fighter out, and me and him will fight, and whoever wins that fight wins the battle, right? And so the Israelites are terrified. It says for 40 days, Goliath came out, and he mocked the armies of God. Saul and his, his, his team was terrified. They, they were scared. And, and the Bible says that David, who was still a, a teenager, he, he would stay with his dad and take care of the sheep. And then when his dad needed him to, to bring supplies or, or something to his brothers, David had three brothers fighting in the, in the war. He would send David to give his brothers whatever they needed, bread, cheese, some milk, whatever they needed. And so David, one day, he comes after 40 days of Goliath insulting the armies of God, David comes, and he hears what Goliath says, and he can't believe that somebody would be insulting the armies of God like that. And, and he, he comes to the battle, and his brothers insult him, and they say, you little twerp. How dare you come and with your pride and your arrogance and act like you can actually do something about this. Right? It's a long story short. And so, but the whispers 
of a little bit of hope. How many of y'all know just even you, a little bit of hope, it, it can, it, it, his, David's faith and his courage, it, it gets back to Saul. And so Saul calls for David and David goes and talks to Saul and says, Saul, don't lose hope, man. I got this fool. I got him. And Saul falls out of his, off of his throne laughing and says, you absolutely do not have him. That dude's been fighting since before you were born. He's a master warrior. He will, he will eat your lunch. David says, no, he won't. So I killed a lion, I killed a bear, and I'm fitting to get this guy just like I got them. And somehow, you know, I think this is the greatest miracle in the Bible, in this story. Somehow, you ever thought about this? Somehow Saul bets the farm on David. He literally bets the farm. Because if David gets whipped by Goliath, all these people become these people's slaves. Right? This is incredible that Saul lets David go fight Goliath. We've, we've heard the story. David goes, a little bit of trash talk. Saul tries to put David in his armor. David says, nah, this ain't, this ain't my stuff. A little bit of smack talk. I'm going to feed you to the birds. I'm going to feed you to the birds. You know, your carcass is going to get eaten. Your carcass is going to get eaten. That kind of talk, right? <laughs> David takes off running towards the giant, which is insane. And he spins his sling around, sinks a stone into his head. Goliath falls. David goes, gets, his, gets Goliath's sword, chops off his head. I'm telling you, the Bible's awesome. <laughs> chops off Goliath's head with Goliath's sword. Grabs his head, takes it to Saul, and drops it. Give the Lord a hand clap. I think it's the best story I've ever told. All right. So, so, so we're talking about our fight is our focus. And I, I love what David says when he's talking smack with Goliath. Goliath talks his smack. And here's what David responded with. 1 Samuel 17, 45. David answered. They're face to face, toe to toe, about to go. Let's get ready to rumble. You come at me with a sword and spear and a battle axe. I come at you in the name of the God of the angel armies, the God of Israel's troops, whom you curse and mock. He's a teenager. This very day, God is handing you over to me. I'm about to kill you, cut your head off, and serve your body up to the Philistine, you and your Philistine buddies, to the crows and the coyotes. God. Here it is. He's so focused. He's so focused. He wasn't looking at Goliath. He wasn't looking at anything else. Listen, here, here's, here's his focus. Here's what he never lost sight of. The whole earth, halfway through verse 46, the whole earth will know that there is an extraordinary God in Israel. The whole earth, the whole earth is about to know that there is an extraordinary God 
in Israel. And I wonder if my fight, the one that I get in hand-to-hand combat with, is it producing a knowledge to the people around me, to the world around me, that there is an extraordinary God in LaGrange, Texas? You see, I got to ask myself, what in the world am I fighting for? Because it's so easy to lose your focus. I can go through my news feed and be like, man, what, what was I fighting for, actually? What am I fighting for? David said, I'm fighting so that the whole earth will know that there's an extraordinary God. I want every breath that I breathe to say that there is an extraordinary God in the earth that loves you and is available for you to receive right now. I want every step that I take, every word that I preach, every encounter that I have to illustrate that there is an extraordinary God that we serve. The fight is for our focus. David had three fights that tried to happen. Three fights that tried to happen from the time he, he, he unloaded the cheese. Three things happened. And I think these fights are, as I read through it, I, I can see myself engaging in these battles that aren't actually the battle. They're also, I forgot the main character in this story. Yes. I love this word because I can spell it. (laughs) That's a terrible star. Main character. How many know he's the main character in every story? Yeah. Right? Yeah. He, he is. Okay, so, 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 so his three, three battles. David brings the cheese onto the field. First battle. The fight is for our focus. Let me tell you what the fight is not for. The fight is not, the fight is not with our brothers. It's not with our brothers. The fight is for our focus. It's after our focus. And in, 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 in the very first fight that David encounters, I mean, the, literally, the cheese has just been dropped off. The bread has just been dropped off. He steps into the scene and he, he hears this giant curse the God of Israel. And he says, who is this fool? And why ain't somebody slapped him in the face yet? What are we doing? And his brothers... His brothers, three of them right there. His brothers say, who are you, you little twerp? Listen to what they said. 1 Samuel 17, 28. Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when David had spoken to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and insolence of your heart. For you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I not now done? Is there not a cause? The first thing that tries to engage David as he's focused, as he's on his mission, are his own brothers. Brother Vince, how you doing? Don't we like to say that when we come to church? Howdy, Brother Leroy. 
my brother. Hey, brother Brian, man, it's good to see you, brother. Hey, brother Mikey, how you doing? Everybody good? Brother John, I see you back there. I won't hold the back row. Jesus loves everybody, right? <laughs> brother Bruce, hey, my younger brother Jaden right there. Brother Mike, how are you? Yep. Yeah, Brother Randy, you good? Hey, Brother John. Brother Ethan, he ain't in the youth group no more. It's my brother, Brother Ethan, right? Hey, Brother Randy, right? First fight David is tempted to engage in is his fight with his brothers. It's the first one. James 4, 1 through 2 says, What's causing quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires that are at war within you? Golly, church can be the nastiest place, can it? David's focus was that the whole earth would know that there's an extraordinary God in Israel. And if the whole earth is going to know that there's an extraordinary God in Israel, then this can't be the nastiest place on earth. Brother Mo, we're just going to preach today. We're just going to go. Brother Casey, sometimes I just want to be like, seriously, you calling me brother? <laughs> then what's so nasty in our hearts? Because if the whole earth is going to know that God is alive at the remnant church, yeah. that God is alive in LaGrange, Texas, then we're going to have to resist the fight with our brother so we can stay focused on what actually matters. We got more fights. Sometimes I'm like, we just go to church just so we can fight. Right? It's the wrong fight. My fight isn't with Don. My fight's not with Don. David's fight was not with his brothers. He knew what his fight was. And the only way he was going to get to his fight was not to lose his focus. The enemy's after our focus. I'm telling you what, he will let us come into this building all day long and call each other brother and hate each other in our hearts. He will let us come in this building all day long and, and, and play pretend and, and you sit over there, and you sit over there, and we got a fence running rampant, right? He'll let us come in here and play pretend all day long, play church, and we're, we're dogging each other out on the internet. I'm just, I'm... You know, I read an article the other day that in the measure, since they have been measuring things like this, said that pastors are quitting at the highest rate in history. They're quitting their pulpits. They're quitting their churches. Churches are closing doors faster than ever. You say, well, I mean, since, since they've, they've been watching this since COVID has started. Churches are closing their doors faster than ever. And whenever they interviewed these pastors that said, I'm done. I don't want any, have anything to do with the church. I'm quitting pastoring. Whenever they interviewed these pastors, the number one reason was because they were so weary with having to choose a side within their own congregation. Number one reason. 
They were so tired of fighting their brothers. I can't do this anymore. I can't show up anymore and, 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 Because right now it's 2020, everybody got to say the right thing. And there is no right thing to say. There's a right thing for you and there's a right thing for you, but there's not a right thing for both of you, so you got to pick. And there's this divisive thing that's happening between us. Right? I mean, we're, 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 we're in the middle of this thing, or we, and I know I've preached about this before, but it's, it's so heavy on my heart because I know how these pastors feel. Like, man, do I, do, I, do I fight for my black brothers and sisters or do I fight for my blue brothers and sisters? Do, do, my God, do we, do, we, do we wear masks in here or do we not wear masks? Because if, if, we if we mandate masks, then half of you won't show up because that's infringing on your rights and you would be mad about it. So we say no mask and then people don't show up because they can't believe that we're not mandating masks. What kind of idiots are we? We don't care about anybody. Can't win. There's all these fights that we can't win and it's because we're not supposed to be having them with each other. That's why you can't win them. You can't, you can't win all these fights. Because the first temptation that David encounters the first distraction is is the temptation for there to be a gulf for this to be the battle god that is a terrible marker i don't know where my other one went oh. and it, it, it was it, it's it's is this the war is this the war oh thank you ma'am is, is this, look, look, we're on a battlefield. There is an enemy army. There is an opposing force. There is a giant that is mocking the ranks of God. And we're over here. We forgot that this is, this. David's focus wasn't here. David literally, I love, if you read the story, it's so incredible. It says that they made fun of him and he said, is there not a call? Let me walk on, brother. Look, I'm just about to walk on. You think I'm going to sit here down in the, 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 the filth with you and argue about something that doesn't even matter? There is a giant that is opposing the armies of God. The whole earth. David said, do you think I'm going to even stop for one second and fight with you? The whole earth needs to know that there is a God that's alive in Israel. And if I do this, then nobody knows this. I love it, man. You know what's so cool about the end of this story? It's so weird. My kids, when they read a book, or is it just Gracie? Just crazy. She reads a book, she reads the last page first. Where is she? Yeah, she reads the last page first because it's too much suspense. I know the, that, that is so weird. That is like some mental 
something's going on there. So I know she's my daughter, but so, so I know the end of the story, this story. And I know the end of the story. I just got through reading Revelation. Jesus wins. Right? How much time? Whoa, man. I spent a lot of time on my drawing, didn't I? Okay. I forgot what I was talking about. Oh, the end of the story. The coolest thing about the end of the story is David kills Goliath. David kills Goliath. And you know what the, you know what the brothers do? They go, yeah! Woo! Look, I ain't got time to fight with you. But when I win, you're coming with me. Amen? Whenever I win, listen, when I, somebody's going to eventually win and we're all going to go. I'm going with him. I'm going. I'm going to go with him. Well, I'm sure glad he didn't fight back. We'd have been over here knocking, socking each other in the face instead of chasing after the enemy. The fight is not with our brothers. The fight is for our focus. I love this. Second opposition that David faces is with Saul. Now, Saul, if you read, if you read the, the Bible, Saul's a crazy Bible character. First, you can't hate on him too much. He, he's the first king in Israel that wasn't even supposed to be there. He's a product of Israel wanting a king to rule over them instead of having God rule over them. So, so you're not Saul, but I mean, I mean, Saul was set up for failure in the first place, right? And, and so... He's a pioneer. This is never, he's the first king in Israel. And so David, after he ignores his brothers, Saul hears about what David's saying. David goes and talks to Saul. And I'm going to tell you who the, 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 the fight is for your focus. The fight is not with Saul. And what Saul represents in the scripture is a broken and self-serving leader. I don't want anybody to... I'm telling you right now, there is some, mm, there is some temptation to fight with Saul. Now, now leadership, leadership comes in all, all, all forms and in, 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 in facets, right? The day we start believing that broken leadership, whether it's government, church, family, can keep God from doing what God wants to do, we've lost our focus. Listen to me. Leadership was not doing what it was supposed to do. But it did not keep David from staying focused. There may be a leader in your house. There may be some leaders in our government right now that you think are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. But our fight is not with Saul. Our fight is for our focus. Listen to me. You know how insulting it was? Listen to what David David, the only dude out there willing to go and face Goliath. This is what Saul says to him. Saul's like, hey, man, come here. I heard you wanted to fight somebody. Let me talk to you for a second. In 1 Samuel 17, 32, this is what David tells Saul. Master, don't give up hope. I'm ready to go fight this Philistine. Listen, listen to Saul's answer. You can't go and fight this Philistine. You're too young and inexperienced. And he's been at the fighting business since before you were born. Broken and self-serving leadership. 
Our fight is not with our brothers, and our fight is not with Saul. Our fight is for our focus. And I think that there's a lot of people that think that because the authority in their lives or the authority that's over, the, that's over us because they're not doing what they need to do, whether it's the president or the governor or the mayor, I don't care who it is, your husband, your, I don't care who it is. We, we become a victim to broken and self-serving authority. I'm gonna go somewhere with this in just a second. But I want to tell you something. The day we start believing that broken leadership, government, church, family can keep God from doing what God wants to do, we've lost focus and become victims. God operates in authority. He uses authority. I'm, tell, I'm not telling you go, go rogue. I am telling you David didn't go rogue. David stayed focused on God no matter what his leader was doing. A lot of people right now are talking about they're, they're engaging in these fights with leadership. And, 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 and the idea is that we're at risk of, we really got to engage in this thing. And I, and I don't want to say this wrong. Because, because we're, we're, we're at risk of losing our religious liberties. Don't hear me wrong right now, because I think that's important. Like, like, like we, we, we've got to go after Saul with all we've got because we're at risk of losing our religious liberties. But I, I started thinking about it, and I don't know who's going to be president in a couple of months, but whoever it is didn't give me my religious liberties. Amen. I, don't, I don't care... Which Saul? I don't care who's in the office. I, I, don't, I don't care because I'm not at risk of losing my religious liberties. You might be. But I'm not because you can't take something from me that you didn't give me. You say, you say, you say, but, but, they, ah! They, they might tell us that we can't gather. They already have in California. They, they might tell us that we can't gather. That's okay. I'm still going to gather because you didn't give me my right to gather. So you can't take it from me. But then they might arrest you. Then we might be like 95% of the other countries in the world. We're not at risk of losing our religious liberties. We're at risk of losing our religious comfort. That, 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 is, that is all that's on the table here. That is all that's on the table. There is nothing else on the table. You can't stop me from saying Jesus without putting a knife through my throat. You cannot stop me from singing. You cannot stop me from worshiping. You cannot stop me because you didn't give me that right. That is a God-given right. You can't stop me. Our fight is not with Saul. Our fight, our fight is to, that the whole earth would know that there's an, a God that's alive in Israel. That's our focus. 
That is our focus. Now, let me tell you something. I want to be able to peacefully assemble. I want to be able to have these rights that we have, and I'm grateful for them. But if they're not always here, then I will stand in my rights as a son of God, and nobody can touch those because they are blood bought by the Savior himself. Those are our rights. You say, but they'll take the tax exemption from the church. Then we'll pay our taxes. You know what we'll do? I'll head down to the river, cast a line in, and pull out a yellow cat, Daryl, and he's going to have some gold in his mouth, and we'll give it to Caesar. And we're going to move on with the mission. We'll move on with the mission. I'll send Mikey. That joker right there will stick his hand in the bank and just grab one out. Send Mikey. You say, what are we going to do? You can't stop the mission that God has for the body of Christ. You can't stop the church. It has been tried to be stopped since the very beginning, and it could not be stopped. And I'm going to tell you something. You can't stop it. You can't stop it. Scripture tells us the more they oppressed the Israelites in Egypt, the more they grew. You can't stop it. I love this guy, Sean somebody. I can't say his last name. I don't want you to think I'm cussing. I don't know how to say his last name. But I love it. They said you can't worship, and now there's thousands of people gathered. You can't stop the move of God. You you watching this? You watching this? Have y'all seen this? Fight is our focus. It's not with the government. It's not with our brothers. It's not with our leaders. Three things that supersede the, the power of man. The restrictive power of man, the power of God, the favor of God, and the love of God. I don't care what laws you put. I don't care what what things you sign up. You cannot supersede the power of God, the favor of God, and the love of God. You can't. You say, but look at what's going on. You can't stop the power of God. You can't stop the favor of God. You say, how, how come, how come they're, they're so blessed? And how come this is the favor of God? You say, that's not fair. They're not doing, I'm, we don't operate in fair. We operate in favor. Yeah. We're not looking for permission from the world. We have permission from the Father. Second Corinthians 5.20 says, we are ambassadors for Christ. Let's go. Let's go. What are we waiting on? You know what's so crazy? You know what's so crazy about this? I read through the scripture and I'm like, why does God let Saul stick around? He was crazy. Saul was crazy, y'all. He's chunking spears at David. Hunted David like a dog. Years, pastor. Years. Saul was, he was, he was, he was off. And I always, I always read that and think, why? David's men his, his, his men, they begged him to kill Saul. They begged him. They begged him. And David said, I wouldn't touch him. Because that would be saying that God is not as powerful as Saul. You see, I think when we engage with Saul... We are making a declaration to the world that Saul is actually the most powerful thing on the planet. Saul's not. God is. 
and, and I really believe this. I believe that God is big enough to do what God wants to do. Now, now, don't hear me that that means we're just supposed to stay silent and not do anything and just sit there and suck our thumbs. That's not what David did. He stayed focused on what he was supposed to do. You want to know something? David's greatest development was submitting to. The biggest part of David's development was submitting to and honoring a broken leader. God. I know, I know. We're going we're gonna to have to do something next week, Pastor. I don't know. They're coming. That's all right. The biggest part of David's development was submitting to and honoring a broken leader. Yeah. Authority is some of our biggest challenges, some of our biggest tests. Authority is tough. It really is. Because sometimes we think that it should just, but God's developing us. See, I have to believe that God is doing something, that God is up to something. That what, whatever is happening in leadership on any level in my life, that God is using that to develop something in me, and I don't have to be the one that takes it out. So I want to ask you something. The things that you don't agree with and those that are in authority over you, have you asked God, what is that working in me? I know this is tough. I'm telling you, my, my focus, I'm fighting for my focus. Because if I'm not careful, I'll start to believe that this is my fight. That's not my fight. Let me tell you something. David could have believed it too. Because David is heading out of fresh rejection from his father. Fresh rejection from his father. Whenever Samuel came to anoint the next king, his father didn't, he, Samuel said, bring all your sons, and he didn't bring David. He didn't even consider David a son. Fresh rejection. He walks onto this battlefield with fresh rejection from his natural father, and he receives just as big a rejection from this father. And David never engages he just stays focused and somehow miracle favor of God Saul says you know what why don't you go fight him after he rejects him he says go fight him the fight I'm almost done is not our focus the fight is not our I mean the fight is our focus the fight is not our brothers the fight is not Saul and the last thing is our fight is not with Goliath. Whatever you're facing is not what you're fighting. Our fight is our focus. Whatever you're facing is not what you're fighting. David never engaged here. He only stayed engaged here. And he proclaimed, I'm not the one fighting you. It's God's job to fight you. It was God's job to fight Saul, and it was God's job to handle any kind of craziness within their own ranks. Whatever you're facing is not what you're fighting. Our fight is our focus. I want to read you a text I got from a friend 
mutual friend, Daryl, introduced me to a really special man. His name is Shelton. And uh, Shelton was diagnosed with cancer a couple years back, and he went through chemo and, and uh, the whole gambit and uh, went through a really tough fight. And in the midst of that fight, uh, he, he was a wood floor salesman. He sold Daryl wood floors. And Daryl, in the midst of that fight, gives him a copy of my book that I wrote out of my fight with cancer. Daryl gives him a copy of my book, and this guy gets the book, and he reads it, and he, it sets him on fire. And he begins to take, take my book, and he, he puts it in waiting rooms of hospitals. He would hand them out to other patients as they were in the infusion rooms receiving chemo. He would hand them out, just spread them like gospel tracts. He would say, hey, there's some hope. Here's some hope. Here's some hope. Here's some hope. Here's some hope. And I had the, uh, I went to Austin one day with Daryl and I met Shelton. And I'm telling you, I was wondering what in the world, because I get my PayPal account uh, deal, because when they sell books on Amazon and stuff, I can see, you know, I make like 35 cents. And, and, uh, <laughs> and I could see, wow, man, people are buying this book off of Amazon. This is crazy. I wonder who this is. I'm talking about like 50 copies at a time. This is crazy. What's going on? And, and, uh, Finally, I find out who the culprit is. It's Shelton. <laughs> Daryl takes me to Austin one day, and I get to meet Shelton, took my picture with him, and, and just, I'm talking about a believer of believers, a warrior for God. And, and he was actually going through his last chemo the day I met him. And um, this is, what, a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. And uh, meet Shelton, and so I told him, I said, hey, man, you got to quit buying those books on Amazon. It's too expensive. They're like 15 bucks a piece on Amazon. I can get them for like five. And so I said, well, you know, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not in this to make my 35 cents. So <laughs> if you get them shipped to me, they'll cost you five bucks. So me and Shelton have been in a deal, right? He'll call me and say, hey, order me a case of books. Order me a case of books. They're gone, right? Order me a case of books. They're gone. And I bet you Shelton has given away five, seven hundred books. And this is you doing, you just do. So he texted me this the other day and I asked him if I had permission to share this. And he said, yes, because I'm telling you, the fight is not what you're facing. The fight is our focus. It's our focus. He said, Colby, I don't even know if you know this, Daryl. He said, this is Shelton Ashley, one of your biggest fans. I have another opportunity to do battle against cancer. I want to be like this guy. He said, what is so great is that each week I now have the opportunity to pass out more of your books to a captive audience that no one else has access to. I've been able to also share not only your testimony, but mine as well. I am excited about the encouragement and prayer that God allows me to give these fellow patients. My prayer list is growing and I feel so blessed to be an instrument of hope to so many. Please continue to pray that our two testimonies bear eternal fruit. 
I would like to order another case of books from you if they're available. I just got diagnosed with cancer again. But all I care about is that the whole world knows that there's a God that's alive in Israel. That's all I care about. We don't have time to fight with each other. We don't have time to worry about leadership that doesn't have all the power that they think they have. We have a mission that the whole world would know that there's a God that's alive in Israel. I text him back and he texts me this. I asked him permission to share this and he said, I pray that the Holy Spirit will anoint you as you speak. This week I have felt the effectual prayers of many of the saints and it has empowered me in strength for me to notice and encourage those around me while I'm under treatment. Listen to his focus. Amazing that I'm undergoing chemo for the third time. And yet, because of the lack of pain and nausea, my focus has somehow been shifted off of myself and onto those who need to hear God's word and receive hope. I find myself rejoicing in my afflictions, realizing that no one else can do what God has opened the door to do. Because of COVID-19, spouses, caregivers, and pastors are not allowed in the fusion room. This is an awesome example of how God works together for good for those who love him or are called according to his purposes. It is like a divine appointment. Thank you for allowing me to share your story. I'm believing that there will be good fruit as a result. What we're fighting, what we're facing is not what we're fighting. I went through... Tara's Facebook page the other day and it's the same thing. Tara didn't lose because she never lost her focus. And we can't lose if we don't lose our focus. I just want the whole earth to know that there's a God that's alive and powerful and real full of love and mercy and grace and kindness and goodness. I want the world to know. And I don't want to engage in the fights that don't produce his life. I want to engage in the fight that produces what only he can do. And that's the fight for my focus. For no matter what's going on, I've got my beat on the mission. There are bullets flying, insanity going. I've got people screaming. I got somebody in the intercom saying, you need to get out of there. And I'm saying, no, 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 no. I've got a mission. I've got a mission. I've got a mission. I'm not going to let my brothers, I'm not going to let bad leadership, I'm not going to let the, the, the giant that I'm facing keep me from my mission. The fight is for a focus. As you scroll that news feed, there's a fight. It's for your focus. As you read the news, it's after your focus. As you, as you get those doctor's results, as you have that conversation with your spouse, the Goliath that you're facing, your fight, it's for our focus. It's trying to get us off of the fight, the, 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 
the bead that there is a God that's alive in Israel and the whole earth needs to know. I want the whole earth to know about the God that I serve, not the man that I'm voting for. I want the whole earth to know about the God that I serve, not my stance on mask mandates. I'm telling you, if we could share the gospel like we share these divisive, ignorant insanities, the whole earth would know that there's a God that's alive in Israel. For our focus. Help us focus, Father. Mm. All right. Mm. It's for our focus. I hope that you're focused today. You know, what's good is we can get off, you know what I mean? Like we can get engaged over here. And, and uh, not, not because I said it today, right? But when the Holy Spirit cuts through and he speaks to us in these areas, if we will be faithful to walk with him and not engage where he's telling us to not engage and to engage where he's telling us to engage, if we will be faithful to walk with him and fight our fight, and walk our walk. I'm telling you, he is going to be so faithful to make us a part of his mission in this earth. Amen? Amen. Do you have a heart to see LaGrange saved? The very beginning, the vision was simple, Pastor. LaGrange is coming to Jesus. It was simple. Still coming to Jesus. There's people in this room that tore those bumper stickers off of, off of light poles and cars, and, and now you're chasing him into battle. <laughs> and people can chase us into battle with our faith. I've got to quit preaching. I'll preach all day long. I'll preach all day long. I love Shelton. I'm so grateful for that connection in my life. Man, he's such an encourager. He's so good. Y'all pray for Shelton. Pray for Shelton. God is working. <clears throat> if you're in here today, the whole point is that, that, that we're establishing that God is alive in Israel. The whole earth needs to know about this God who loves, I love Kristen, she talked about how he redeems. You, you're, you're not too far outside of the grasp of God. And, and so today, if, 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 if you've never surrendered to the God, I love it that I'm pointing to this awful drawing like it's just some kind of a powerful thing. If you've never surrendered to the God that's alive in Israel, the God that's alive in LaGrange, Texas, the God that's